There are so many incredible individuals all around our country who are trying to make a difference. They're impacting their communities through their work, talents, and servant hearts. In this series, you'll get a chance to meet them. Welcome to 50 States, 50 Stories. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode two of 50 States, 50 Stories. I'm Matt Marks. Welcome back. We're here at episode two. We got a great one here for you, and we're joined by an amazing guest today from the great state of Kansas. We got Jacob Thomas. Jake, how are you doing today, man? Doing terrific, man. I'm in Kansas. What else can you ask for? <laughs> I love to hear it. Hey, thanks so much for being on today. This is going to be a fun episode. We've got a lot to talk about. And I'm excited to learn a little bit more about Kansas and for you to share with everyone what's, what you're doing, what's going on. And um, we've got some really good stories. And I want to start, start with this because we met back, this is probably what, 2014, 2015. Like, I feel old. Uh, yeah, 2014, probably. Yeah, I know. Yeah. That's kind of terrifying to think about. It's almost been a decade. It's closer that. to that. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> wow. Yeah, 2014. I would say fall 2014. Yeah. So our, it goes back to our freshman year. And let's just, I mean, talking about OU, we both went to the University of Oklahoma, both graduated there. But you spent some time, uh, and you paved the way, but for me, being an RA, you, you spent some time as an RA for what, three years, right? Yeah, three years. <laughs> so I want to talk about that because a lot of people, when you think RA, now you get a lot of a lot of things come to mind. Uh, bad cop. Um, no, you don't want to interact with those people. <laughs> yep. They're going to get you in trouble. No, stay away from them. Yeah. But you were the complete opposite. I mean, Jake, anybody that knows you, you are a role model. You paved the way. You you want people to be better. They're better, the best versions of themselves. And you show that as an RA. And I, I just want to hear about your experiences in RA and how you poured into your resonance because you were an RA and heading we we're both RAs at Headington Hall at the University of Oklahoma Jake what'd you get out of being an RA and, and what was like most impactful for you from that experience where to start I mean it's <laughs> it was such a fun job but I mean the thing is is that you you live where you work you know so it's I mean the experience is just they just layer on top of each other throughout that time and working in that for three years. I mean, you're just constantly in the job, you know, cause you're never really away from it when you live where you work. Um, man, that was, it was a great job. It actually, it kind of started off uh, cause it was in Headington hall that I was uh, an RA for three years. Um, but my freshman year, I worked in the, the calf there in Wagner um, and cooked breakfast food, um, which was, you know, it was a blast and it was really cool, but, um, my brother, uh, is four years older than me and he went to Oklahoma and he was an RA and, um, I don't know, I ju it just looked like a lot of fun and it looked like a great experience. And so I just wanted to experience that for myself and, um, wanted to do that. And so it was the job I had on my mind. So I loved working in the CAF. Uh, I didn't enjoy the early mornings necessarily, uh, but the relationships and I mean, that's where I met you was, you know, you would come in and have your meals living in Headington. And so I was working in there and that's how we met. And, um, I mean, there's a lot of great, there were a ton of great memories from that, uh, job, but I definitely had being an RA at the forefront of my mind. And so, um, yeah, sophomore year started that job, um, and did that, you know, sophomore, junior and senior year, um, 
man, it was fun. Uh, learned a lot in it. Uh, so really, uh, obviously I'm from Kansas and then chose to go to Oklahoma. So it's about five, five and a half hours, depending on how fast you drive. Um, but it was a great experience going to Oklahoma, but it was terrifying. And, um, I'm definitely a homebody that struggled with being away from Kansas. Cause that's where I grew up. Um, didn't move, uh, really other than different parts of Kansas city, but not really, um, you know, state to state. So, uh, born and raised here. And so leaving that was really hard and, um, definitely was homesick and wanted to, uh, leave OU, uh, that first semester. And it was really challenging. And so, um, those emotions were really hard to deal with. And, um, I was just terrified. Uh, I wasn't really, uh, building relationships initially with anyone. And so, um, just that loneliness, uh, was really challenging. And so, um, it truly was a privilege to be an RA in Headington because, um, for those that don't know, Headington is just, it's freshmen and, you know, there are a few athletes that have been there a year and, you know, they spend another semester there. Um, but for your traditional students, which is almost half of the building, I mean, you're all freshmen and they're all experiencing, not all of them, you know, some of them were really excited to go away from home, but, you know, it's their first time away from their family and they're experiencing those feelings and emotions. And so um, it just meant a lot to be able to contribute to um, the experience in a positive way. So like you said, an RA could be bad cop and really, uh, just nagging you and banging on your door and ruining all the fun. Um, but really my philosophy was, and I'm sorry, Brian Hinnon, if you watch this, but my philosophy was that, you know, it's college, uh, students are going to do what they're going to do, uh, whether I, uh, recommend it or not. Um, but really my philosophy was, you know, do your thing and be responsible, be smart, live your life but don't be stupid about it frankly and the moment you're stupid like I've got to step in and I don't want to I don't want to get you in trouble I don't want to you know cause any conflict or have any um you know confrontations that I don't want to have but um you know on your Segway or hoverboard whatever they were called with a keg down the hallway, I have to do something. Like, there's no way I can't say something or <laughs> turn you in. Like, you've got to be smarter than that. Um, but there are only a few instances that really had to have those um, confrontational moments. Um, but overall, it was uh, really great to just build those relationships and to um, help those students, help guide them. Um, you know, just off the top of my mind, you know, I would really try to keep my door open as much as possible when I was there. And um, a moment that comes into mind was a freshman that was rushing to his first like fraternity meeting. And, you know, he was scared, he was nervous, but he didn't know how to tie his tie. And so he bolted into my room and was like, I have no clue how to tie this. What do I do? And just helping him tie his tie and get him ready. And, um, you know, it's, that was, you know, less than a minute that he was in there, but it just meant a lot to be there for that one minute and to, to help in any way that I could and so it was just it was a really meaningful experience and a uh, ton of great relationships among the staff as well um, it's I don't know just so many lifelong friends in in that group that to this day including you that um, it just meant the world spending every day together and I mean every day together like we 
I mean, sunrise to sundown and even past sundown, we were together and we were hanging out and doing something. And um, it was just a blast to go upstairs, go to bed, wake up, go downstairs and we're all hanging out again. Like it was just a really cool experience. And I, I loved it. It was an awesome job and a ton of fun. And I don't know, it's just a ton of great memories. So, yeah, I think definitely those times, uh, a lot of fun memories, maybe not so fun when you get woken up at two in the morning to, you know, a prank call or a fire alarm. We've had our share of both of those, <laughs> right? No, <laughs> horrible. Oh yeah. Just, I mean, just imagine uh, if you think what it's like to work in a residence hall and the worst possible time when a fire alarm not only goes off at two in the morning, but then at three and then maybe at four. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's yep. not fun. And it's cold outside. Yeah. Nope. It's not, not, and you yeah. think that it, the biggest thing I need people to know is Easy Mac requires water. <laughs> Just put the water in, okay? It's the one step you have to do. The amount of times that we were waking up at 2, 3 a.m., fire departments rushing down Norman in this big emergency because someone didn't add water to Easy Mac. Easy Mac. <laughs> I can't. I I. What are you going to do? <laughs> I mean, either that or what? The Pop-Tart and you don't take oh. it out of the wrapper or something. I mean, you know, or you burnt it's, toast. I mean, it's, it, I just, I kind of sad. Like, I, I, you just love them and forgive and show grace, right? <laughs> the next morning. Maybe not at that moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just want to go to bed. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I tell you. What's great about, I mean, that's what college is about, right? It's, it's you've got some of the best memories of your life. And I think back at Headington, you mentioned Brian Hennon, uh, who you got to mention in, in this episode because of, of really fun stories. Our friend Brian out in Colorado, uh, he was our director at the time at Headington Hall. And we would go golf a lot with him. You know, I, I think about the golf, I mean, to paint a picture for you. I mean, and this, this cracks me up every time, you know, you go golf with your buddies, you know, you, you have a good time, you, you know, you're, you're, you're keeping score, you're whatever you're, you're, you know, you're trying to just cut jokes. Brian takes it to another level. He brings his speaker out and, you know, you think, oh, great music, like, you know, we're classic rock. Well, that might be one of the songs. Uh, he's got about 45, 50 genres of music. And, um, Jake, Jake, you probably know where I'm going with this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so we're on the 17th hole here. And <laughs> we're about to pull up. The green of the previous hole is right by the tee box. Okay, well, that's usually how it is. You didn't have to drive far to the next hole. That's what I mean. It's right there. It's, it's right on there. top of us. Like, feet And away. you got this group of maybe four older gentlemen. And, I mean, they're older up, you know, up in age. And... Uh, all of a sudden, and you got to remind me, what, what song was it? What comes on? The Wedding March. The Wedding March comes yes. on. And, um, well, there was another incident, too. It was um, Black Skinhead. Black Skinhead, yeah. yeah. And that. it's blaring. And blaring. Yeah. <laughs> we, don't have, we don't have the phone to turn off the music. That's in nope. Brian's pocket. And I don't yep. know what Brian's doing. He's just up there blaring the music. Yeah. He was, he was getting to it. Yeah. And yeah. And he, there it is. I, and it, the guys are putting and we're just like, I don't know about you, Jake. I'm just kind of having my hand over my head. Like, Oh gosh, can we just tee off? Can they please just 
finish the hole. Yeah. It was embarrassing. It was a terrific lesson on focus that we were trying to teach that other group that no matter what obstacle is thrown your way, just stay focused on the ball. And <laughs> it was distracting me and I wasn't even putting. So it, <laughs> life lessons on the but course. That's why we love Brian. You know, it's experiences like that that made him a just fun leader, made every day fun, every experience fun with him. And I mean, great, incredible guy. It was, it was truly an honor to work for him and just had a blast uh, every moment that we spent. And I mean, like we would, that guy, I felt like I would find myself in some, you know, just weird scenario, like any, I don't know, hanging out with friends, you would go out and do something, come back. It was pretty normal, pretty straightforward. Brian, I felt like I would end up in some scenario that I never would have had I not been with him. Like, example is uh, he had sold something. It was like a piece of furniture. And we drove it to um, drop it off. And we did that. Um, but on our way to do it, we're, we get to this light. And he's got this nice Jeep uh, push to start. And we're front of the line at this stoplight. So um, just waiting for the light to turn green. You know, cars behind us. Um, light turns green. Jeep isn't going. It's like one of those that shuts off when you stop at a light. And then when you're ready to go, you take your foot off, and like hit gas, and it starts up again and goes. It does not start up and go. It sits. Worst and possible so thing. We've yeah. got everyone behind us. Green light. It's not going. And, you know, I'm like completely uncomfortable because, you know, people get upset quick uh, on the road and they're ready to rage. And so he throws the hazards on and we get out and it's, I mean, there's just no fix to it. So I'm so embarrassed that I go off and I'm standing on the sidewalk acting like I'm not a part of this. And he's just standing in the middle of the street, like captain goes down with the ship <laughs> and, you know, to be fair, people of Norman were great and they were stopping and, you know, offering to help. Um, but that day, you know, I find myself in this random tow truck with this random driver, just the three of us, like three men in a truck with his Jeep attached to the back. And we're just being taken to a dealership. And oh man, I don't know. It's just many experiences like that that you're like, what are we doing? <laughs> I don't know. But I'm, wait, I'm waiting for that movie to come out, Three Men in a Truck. I think three that. I think that's a that's a that's a gonna be a, a top movie of the year right there. I'm here for it. <laughs> Comedy. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a blast, but it just Brian's a, a great example of a really strong relationship built through that RA job and built through that experience there at OU and at Headington Hall. Yeah. Well, and you know, Brian was a big supporter, and this kind of can segue into our the next part of of OU was a, a student government run in 2016 and this was this was really cool for both of us we we this is the ticket right here you and i we were the ticket uh, there were three different no there were five campaigns all right yeah there were five five total. different yeah, yeah five other campaigns mm -hmm. yeah. and um this was this was this was such a fun time and so jake i've, I've got to pull something up here as as we're recording this i'm going to share this with you because oh, no. i want i want you to i want you to hear this this audio clip that i've got and uh, and we'll then we'll we'll talk about it. So let me. Okay, I've been caught in 4K. Here we go. Hi, I'm Jacob Thomas. I'm from the next of Kansas. I grew up with my mom, my dad, our two miniature dachshunds, Princess and Rollo, and then my brother Jordan. 
I attended Shawnee Mission West High School, Go Vikings. At Shawnee Mission West, I was a member of the Model United Nations, which taught me how to diplomatically resolve issues with numerous people. I was also a member of the cross country and track teams for all four years that I was there. In doing both of those, I was also the president of the International Club. I came together with my geography teacher and we helped create the club. And we represented over 15 different countries in our International Club. Coming to the University of Oklahoma was a challenging decision. It's five and a half hours away from home, but I fell in love with the university and everybody who is here. I felt like I had a purpose being here and that I could make a difference. I want to know why you're here and why you want to make a difference and what we can do for you. Thank you. All right. Oh. <laughs> Memories, right? <laughs> oh, joke. That took me back, man. That polo took me back initially. I was like, man, those were the days the Royals were good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What, 2015? Yikes. 2015, 16? Oh. It's been a while. Yeah. But um, when, when you see that, and, and there's a lot I'm, I'm going to ask you just off of that video, because that's a lot of great content. And that, that really, I mean, up in, at that point, you know, that was um, a lot about your life, right? That kind of made who you are and what, you know, part of your purpose in life. And, and so I want to ask you first, just overarching question besides, you know, us running together, but why, why did you want to run? Uh, for student government. Again, if you go to different universities, the Student Government Association, you have your, is like your student body president and vice president. They work for the students and try to advocate for student groups and things like that. In your role, Jake, at that time, why, why did you want to run? Uh, yeah, so actually the, the year before that, uh, you actually ran with uh, Julia Depew, who is uh, just an incredible person. And um, you two ironically ended up running together. Um, but that was just a, a whole nother story of how they both filed the run by themselves and um, didn't realize they needed a running mate, and so they ended up together. Um, but that was just a lot of fun, but I ended up being the campaign, campaign manager for you two that year. And um, just a really fun experience. And uh, it was really fun to hear you, you two want to drive for helping the campus out. And that was new to me, just witnessing that. Um, because to be honest, I was just kind of enjoying college, enjoying my job, not really um, focused on, you know, what does OU need or what do they, um, what could they use to be better? Um, but I was exposed to that by helping you run that campaign and um, really try to push to help out, um, you know, the students, faculty and staff at OU. And um, so I would say that kind of set the groundwork um, for wanting to, um, run that following year with you so um obviously an opportunity for you to run again and um it's an honor because um you know eventually we i mean we had been talking all year you know we're close friends and so we talk all year about it talk about the issues talk about you know not winning what could have been done what could have been you know and then you ended up serving with daniel pay you know um on their cabinet and i know that that was just a great experience for you and so just staying closely connected to what was needing needed at OU. And um, yeah, uh, just you bringing up that idea of wanting to run together the following year and um, kind of running through, I think it just came naturally when we were like, if we were to run, you know, what's our, what are our um, key points going to be? What do we want to really try to change at OU? And I think it meant a lot because that wasn't difficult to come up with. And that's not saying OU is a bad place. It's an, incredible university that has um, just the best uh, 
you know, experiences available for students. And um, despite it being incredible and having all of that, it can improve. And there's no doubt about that, that there are areas for improvement. There are areas to make it better. Um, nothing and no one uh, is perfect, you know, other than Jesus. And so it's like there's all we're always try, trying to strive to find ways to uh, improve. And so the fact that we had a quick list of things that were really important to us um, just meant a lot and made it easy to run because if you're ever asked, like we were, if we were ever asked questions about why we're running, it was, it was easy to talk about that and what we wanted. And so, I mean, from something as enjoyable and simple as just putting lights on the recreational fields, um, so there could be night uh, rec league games and help open up the schedule, make it more accessible for students that may be taking, you know, multiple classes during the day or all their classes are at night if it's grad school or something else, you know, um, just try to make that more accessible for them. Um, so something is light, pun intended, <laughs> as that, or something is, you know, heavy and deep is establishing a food pantry to help tackle food insecurity that's like it, this, this, you know, low key um, challenge that so many face at OU um, between the students, faculty and staff. It's just, it just wasn't really talked about or touched on at the time. And so um, I remember we were listening to, um, I can't remember who it was exactly, but we went somewhere on campus and listened to a talk and they had shared that, I think it was over, that over 50% of students at OU could at least qualify for food stamps if they had applied for them or did what they needed to. And I remember that struck you and it, like talking about it, it, it settled in that it's like, how is that not a known fact? How's that not commonly known? And how is there nothing to help out here other than maybe a few things here and there, but nothing that was clearly making an impact, no offense to what was in place, you know? But it's like, there's, there's a need that's so present there that, that's just everywhere. And um, yeah, so it, that campaign, just those two things, you know, lights on the rec fields or establishing a food pantry, um, just had things in it that we were just really passionate about. And it was, it wasn't um, hard to, to really want to invest in those and really want to put it together for OU because we care about OU so much and um, just to make it a better place. Um, and, you know, and long story short, you know, the campaign doesn't exactly work out in our favor, which um, is okay, you know, and uh, that's all right. I think that, um, you know, there are, I don't know how you win those things, to be honest, other than really, really grinding it out, but I felt like we did. So I don't know, but um, yeah, it, it meant a lot. It was a really valuable experience because it, it meant a lot really um, connecting with so many people and going to so many events um, and just meeting students at OU or, you know, being a part of those town hall meetings where we'd go and talk with people or, or sitting down with the OU daily and being able to share our thoughts. And, um, you know, I don't, I can't speak to what um, the people at the OU Daily thought, but I feel like going into that and sitting down with them, I felt like we were kind of um, not expected to be a campaign that was talked about. I don't think they were expecting anything valuable out of it. Um, and may, I'm not saying that 
they they weren't kind. They were amazing. I'm just saying. I feel like we were maybe a little more low key than the other campaigns or something. I don't know. But um, in the article, just hearing that we were very close second in their mind out of the five campaigns, it just it really validated the needs that we were trying to meet at OU, and it was clear that people agreed with us and agreed with that. And um, yeah, so it was it was a really cool experience and. Um, it it led to some great great moments that I I definitely cherish and value. Um, you know, there's um, if you if you lose, you know, you just build up from there and you take it. And it, we lost that campaign, but um, clearly just bounced right back. I mean, you worked really hard, and here you are in 2022, still working for the OU Food Pantry and helping grow it and reach people. And I mean, gosh, man, I mean it's. It, it truly does leave me speechless thinking back to when, I mean, it, there wasn't a pantry. It, it was just a thought, you know, and it's like, this just needs to be a thing to meet a need. And here we are. It's served so many um, at OU that desperately needed the assistance and help. And um, it's just powerful to see that change and to see that it, um, despite losing the campaign, it still uh, became a thing. And it was amazing and um, it was an absolute uh, triumph, really. And just having the support of people along the way, um, you know, from the administration to, um, you know, some of our great, um, great friends um, and students that worked with us uh, along the way of uh, the pantry. And um, I don't know, it's just, it, it warms my heart that, you know, pieces of the campaign still came together that we would, that we're, were priorities and the food pantry was definitely number one on that list and um i have no clue if there are lights at the rec fields now do you know that but i don't think that ever happened <laughs> they still need to be i mean come on they have to play all the games during the day is a little we got stuff yeah. there um but that's okay um obviously the food pantry is definitely a priority um but yeah great memories with that campaign a lot of fun um i i gotta admit i still sweat and get nervous because um i still cringe about the uh time during the campaign you know you go around to these different groups and you you share your your platform what you want to do and you really try to get their votes and um i'll tell you right now it doesn't help when you mess up the acronym and i still want to throw up to this day thinking about that and essentially matt and i went to um is it is it uh where were we at president's leadership class yeah was it in couch or yeah it was up in the the davenport's area right above couch restaurants yeah yeah so yeah president's leadership um council group what was it Uh, class yeah class okay i still can't get it right this is (laughs) i'm ashamed um (laughs) but plc for short and so it really doesn't help your campaign when you walk into this group of, you know, I don't know, 50 or so, 50 to 100 people. And you're like, we're honored to be here at PCS. And I mean, you've just twisted the knife on yourself there and might as well just end it there. And I, I dropped a bomb there. And I remember crawling out of that building after that. Just so embarrassing. <laughs> and PLC and PCS, yes. I don't know if there's actually like a rivalry between the two. But they are like the two, you know, honor honorary classes for freshmen. You know, I don't, I don't know. Like, I mean, 
how to describe them, but they're like a pretty nice group, you know, about 130. Um, and you, you know, you apply for it and you get in, it's a club, but yes. Yeah. The president's community scholars and the president's leadership class. <laughs> and to okay. someone who is in neither, I mix them up easily. <laughs> it's okay. You know, after they got through the shock of what we got <sighs> through it and it was only, we were only there for about, you know, two minutes and then we left. The worst two minutes of my and life. we ran out so <laughs> <laughs> it was great that showed me so much grace and patience but oh, that, that's yeah. up there on the most embarrassing <laughs> moments of my life that was it was like the first sentence out of my mouth and I just knew and because there were other campaigns in there that they were listening to and I just knew I I outed myself right away well you maybe know not you like I think they still listen to you no, they still heard what we had to say. And you know what? Then if they thought about it, we were very memorable that night. Remember that, you know, they were very memorable. So they remembered us. <laughs> All publicity is good publicity. Isn't that the same or something? Yeah, like that? I, I, you know, in most cases, yes, I guess. Uh, gosh, <laughs> well, hey, before we, we get to talking about the food pantry, I do want to ask you something. Going back on the campaign in that video, because I think this is really cool. Again, this shows who you are, Jake. You are very much family, care, making an impact, making a difference. That's, that's what you're about. In high school, you were the president of your international club, and you said that in your video. And I want to hear, and our viewers want to hear, listeners want to hear about that club, about what you did, what, what, um, what's it about, what's its purpose, and then how you made a difference. Yeah. So I went to Shy Mission West High School um, in Oblong Park, Kansas, um, public school, um, public school district, and just, uh, um, you know, I mean, uh, I don't want to say like a normal high school, but it, yeah, it was, it was a good high school. We were about 2,000 students, um, so it, it's, you know, fairly big, 6A, um, highest division in Kansas, um, but great school. Um, but we were in our district, there are five different schools. Um, and we're probably, I know at the time, we definitely were one of the more diverse ones out of, um, you know, all the schools of the district. So um, my geography teacher at the time, Mr. Redcorn, who is now at Kansas State, uh, but just an awesome teacher, seriously, one of my favorite teachers um, to this day. Um, but he came up and talked to me and he was like, you know, I've had this idea of starting an international club. Um, he's like, if you think about it, we've got students, you know, at this school from all these different countries and we don't really have anything to show for it. Like we don't do anything. And so he was like, I don't know if you want to help me out, but I need a student to kind of help me piece this together and recruit people. And, um, really it was super, I was like, I'm in, of course. And so, um, we helped, uh, I helped him and we, you know, applied to make this club and, you know, it was approved, um, but we had to get people and I expected that to kind of be challenging. Uh, I was, I was extroverted, but I was extroverted when I had to be, but I think in, I'm a natural introvert, but I can be extroverted. Um, but I was a little nervous to, you know, try and recruit um, people to join a club. Uh, but the surprising part was all it had to do was exist and people flock to it and students that were here that you know had moved here when they were young um or you know were here just for the time being to study um I think my camera's lying a bit so I'm sorry about that but <laughs> it's, 
it's coming along. Um, but um, what for whatever they were there for, or however long they've been there, um, it was like the club existing just made them want to be a part of it. And so immediately we had, you know, 20, 30 students. And it, rather than, you know, be this club that was like about, it was like a class or something that we would come and sit down and learn from each other. It quickly became the risk board game club and we would play risk and try to conquer the world and but the trick was was that every we would do this late at night but we would play risk but someone that week would be in charge of bringing a dish that they grew up with from their home and so like that was the first time I tried lamb or it was the first time you know I tried curry and these just really unique dishes that were homemade and I mean incredible like just so good and i'm like i had no idea that that was just um yeah and it was just really cool and so we kind of grew and um instead of playing board games all the time we eventually were like you know we're gonna expand this we're gonna do something else and so we wanted to do an international fair that we ended up um, having um and we essentially had everyone in the gym for an entire day and it was uh it was probably the best day of school i've ever had in my life um just because essentially certain classes would be dismissed and they'd come to the gym and they could make their rounds and each of our students had a booth um so we had you know a booth that was giving henna tattoos and talking about their culture there we had um people of different tribes would do their um, traditional dances and we'd have um, certain performances throughout the day. And um, then we had probably one of my favorite things was just so mind blowing was uh, each person would bring a McDonald's menu from their home country. And you would never think about it. Like, I don't know why I just thought that McDonald's were the same everywhere. They are not. It's crazy. That's interesting. Uh, It's so cool. It's so cool. Um, it was just mind blowing, but it's stuff like that, that you're like, I had no clue. And it's, it's just the coolest experience to let them just tell about it because it, it sounds so simple to just tell, tell us about their lives, but it was just so, um, so revealing. And, uh, yeah, so that was awesome. We, um, you know, in our high school of 2000 students, we had, you know, over 15 different countries, like you heard on the video. Um, and it was just, I don't know, it, it made me really happy to see that people could just share their experiences. And we always had the joke that I remember we had, each club has to have a president. And I was like, all right, which one of y'all wants to be president? And they just kept saying me. And I'm like, there's no way we're going to have the whitest guy from Lenexa, Kansas be the president of the international club. <laughs> but that's what they, that's what the majority said. So <laughs> Hey, that was, you were elected president right there, you know? <laughs> Dude, it was, it was a blast. It was a really fun experience. And um, yeah, I, I had a blast with that. So it, it was a really cool experience. And just um, that was a blast on a video. And I was thrilled to share that just because that was something that, you know, we started from scratch, definitely needed to be. It was a population at our school that had to be represented it wasn't um in any way and so um 
I don't know. There, there's so much more that I would have done. I always wanted to have a part of the building that always had a flag up or had flags up of every country represented at that time. Um, if I were ever a principal or something, I tried to enact that at my school that, you know, whenever we have a student there that's from a country, we're going to put their flag up and um, I'm just going to make sure everyone's represented. That's it, it was such a blast. Um, so, yeah, that was a really cool experience. Well, hey, there's a call to action right now. The uh, Whoever the current principal is right now, anybody at your high school is listening yes. right now, this <laughs> is the call to action. Take Jake's idea and let's put it into action. Jake, no, I mean, that's that's what it's all about. I mean, that's what it is all about right there, my friend. Yeah, and and you're, you're making people feel included. You know, you're an inclusive environment, making sure everyone's represented. And I love that about the McDonald's menu. I would not have thought that. I mean, I would have thought the same thing as you thought, that it's all the same, but no, it's not. And honestly, if you, I, 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 I'd kind of liked it. Now I got to go investigate what other McDonald's menus look like. I'm now intrigued by this. Yeah. I mean, you have to think about it. like cultures, you know, are very specific sometimes on certain cultures are very specific on what they can eat, and what they can't eat. Mm-hmm. And so you just never think about like McDonald's has to stay in line with that. And they've got to have foods that, you know, um are accepting of those cultures and respect them and um yeah so it's it's really i definitely recommend looking it up because it would be yeah like you're not going to go to uh israel and expect an egg mcmuffin you know it's not going to be the exact same menu and it's 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 cool well thank you for sharing that man hey i want to segue into this because i I, i'm going to take a quote you just said because i think this is a great way and it also ties back into talking about our work with the OU Food Pantry, you said all it, all it has to do was exist and people would flock to it. And I think that's perfect because that's exactly what happened with our pantry. Now, this was what was fun. I mean, as a student, we were both part of this. We were both part of the initial team that opened up in 2017, March 22nd of 2017, this OU Food Pantry. And, and Jake, you were one of our donations coordinators, really on our logistics team before we called it logistics. We have a logistics team now, but that was this was before we had all the fancy titles. Love you it. are a donations coordinator. And, and Jake, you mentioned it, and I, I've got this stat as well. So right now in 2022, Oklahoma as a state has an 18.6% food insecurity rate. All right. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma is the eighth hungriest state in our nation. Now, back when we opened the pantry, it was, this is actually better now, but it was actually, it was worse then. Um, we were probably top five and the food insecurity rate was a lot worse. We've actually improved. But Jake, in your time in Oklahoma, your time with this project, how eye-opening was this to see firsthand? And I mean, I think of the tabling events. I think of the just the connections and people we've talked to. I mean, if anybody is interested in, in, in going back and looking at 2017, look at the Oklahoman newspaper article. Type in Jacob Thomas on Google. Type in OU Food Pantry Jacob Thomas. Okay, and it will, I did this earlier, Jake, so I'm telling oh, no. you. <laughs> you pull this Oklahoman article up and it's talking about tackling hunger. And you're quoted in this. We're both quoted in this article, but they did a story on us. I don't remember that. Remember when the Oklahoman came out? Yeah. And you you think about just the impact of a food pantry. Some people will say, well, they're college students. They don't need this. And that's so far from it. Uh, College students and staff absolutely need this. And especially now in the times we live in, but 
you know, Jake, I think about, and I know I'm kind of jumping around here, but I want to get your talk about your take on, on that. But, you know, you were so instrumental too. You helped us establish a partnership with one of our great partners at Feed the Children. And I got to give a shout out to your dad, Bob Thomas, who works at Feed the Children. And you were, we, you got us in contact with your dad and we got this partnership put together with the organization. Feed the Children helps us out a couple times a year with some big food donations. I mean, pallets worth of stuff. Like we had a pallet probably early last year or maybe even the year before of like hand sanitizers and soaps. We're still giving out the soaps. I'll tell you, that's how much stuff we've got. And so I want to, yeah. again, thank you to your dad. Thank you to you yeah. helping us set that up. But Jake, going back to my question as a donations coordinator, what you saw on campus, how important is a food pantry on a campus, on a university, and, and the impact it's making? It's critical. And it's, uh, it hurts to say that because um, you, you don't want that. Um, you know, you don't want people to have to experience insecurities. Um, and so it, it's hard to say that, but it's um, critical to have. And it gives me a sense of peace and relief knowing that there is one there and that it's providing that support and relief um, for those that, that really need it. Um, uh, experiencing it firsthand, you know, working it and, you know, meeting students, faculty and staff that, um, you know, maybe have been experiencing those food insecurities, you know, I mean, it was powerful. Um, but I mean, it, it was just so meaningful. And um, it, it really just, I don't know, man. It, it, it does leave me speechless, just that it, that need is so prevalent. Um, and, and so, so necessary there. Um, yeah, I, it, I don't think that students, uh, faculty or staff realize that you know it you sit in a classroom you sit in your English class and you know you around 20 people you know a little more spread out now I imagine I don't know I don't know if it's back to normal or what but I mean it's the person right next to you it's the person two seats over it's the person in front of you um you know and it all seems like you're all going to class you're all experiencing the same thing but it's it, it's completely the opposite and everyone's experiencing something different and some people are trying to accomplish something that no one in their family ever has. They're trying to go to college. They're trying to get this degree. They're trying to graduate. And just to have to deal with food insecurity while trying to tackle such a big um, goal and uh, challenge is just um, unfair. It's not right. And it hurts. Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm a horrible test taker and I can't imagine having to do that when you're having to experience food insecurity and you're trying to find out where your next meal is going to be at and you've got to take this huge exam or you're going into finals week and so I'm just incredibly grateful that the pantry's there um it was powerful how we really advertised it initially and pushed it and we're telling people about it and a year down the road, we're doing tabling events and people are still like, I had no clue this was a thing. And you're like, man, like, I don't know. I think that people will say whenever they're doing advertising campaigns or trying to market something, they'll be like, you know, we've done this for a year. People know about it. Like, that's just not true. Keep pushing because people don't. There's someone out there that doesn't. And 
just like the motto jumping back to being an RA, just like the motto of being an RA to working at the food pantry, it's a success if it impacts one person. If it doesn't reach, you know, 100 people, that's okay. If it reached two people, we changed two people's lives. We helped two people. That's, I mean, that's more valuable than anything. So um, that that was huge. Um, just continuing the marketing and it was shocking to me just how hard it was to truly spread the word so everybody knew about it. And um, I'm definitely hopeful that, you know, that's more, it's more known today because it's been a while. Um, but I guarantee there are still people that don't know about it. And it just happens. And I know that at a university that can happen where things are just so siloed that, you know, I don't know, that different parts of campus are just so separated from the other that um, you may never know that there's a food pantry at OU, but um, just continuing that push to advertise it, table, um, and, you know, market it as much as possible. It, it can reach as many people as it needs to because, I mean, there are 20-plus thousand students there that, that need it and uh, need to know about it at least, and so, yeah. Yeah, and it's continued to to do that and uh, celebrating five year anniversary on March twenty wow. second of this year, twenty twenty two. So it's uh, it's incredible. I mean, it it, it five years. It, it's like it flies by. Really, time flies. Yeah. Uh, it also makes you feel kind of old, like whoa. But um, yeah, <laughs> that too. <laughs> yeah. But I'll I'll tell you, um, and another thing, Jake, and this going back to you know, high school for you and even what you're doing today. And I think this is a really cool kind of like, it comes in full circle moment. So you competed in cross country, you comp competed in track in, in, in high school. And then in your time at, at the University of Oklahoma, you did a little coaching on the side for some cross country and track. And then you're doing that today. And I, I think that's really cool. And, and, and so, I, you know, why'd you get into coaching? That's, that's my first question. And second, how important is it to have like this mentorship? This is where I really think today too, in a lot, in a, again, in all the ways that you've, you've made impacts along the way in your life, that you're really making a difference in the lives of high schoolers. Because as they get ready for college, you're just kind of preparing them. I mean, you're not that far off. Of, uh, you're removed from college yourself. You graduated a couple of years ago. You know, so you're still a college kid at heart, you know, Yeah, right. <laughs> you're making you're making that connection and showing high schoolers, hey, you know, I'm, I'm here for you as you're going to be making that transition in the next year, next three years, whatever it may be, however old they are that, you know, I you're a role model. So why'd you get into coaching and how important is it to have that mentorship? Um, and is there anybody that was a mentor for you growing up? Yeah. I love coaching, man. It's so much fun. Um, yeah. So it, while I was at, while I was at Oklahoma, I, uh, coached for two years at Norman North high school, um, for track and field. And, um, honestly I did it because, uh, like I mentioned earlier, that first semester, um, was really hard and I was really homesick and, um, yeah, it just wasn't, it, it was challenging. I, I literally wanted to transfer. Like it just, it was hard. Um, and so I, you know, I was trying to cling on to something that I knew, trying to find a comfort area, you know, just trying to find a, a zone that I felt comfortable in. And so 
that had always been running for me. And so I was like, oh, I don't know. I guess I can, you know, maybe see if there's like an assistant coaching job or something to, you know, coach a running group or a running team in Oklahoma. Uh, And then I was like, you know what, how about at the high schools? There are two high schools in Norman, uh, Norman High and Norman North. And so um, what I ended up doing was I, I literally just emailed the two head coaches Uh, for each school and just said hey uh my name is jacob thomas i'm a freshman at ou uh i ran you know for four years past four years and competed in these events and um just i'm really passionate about the sport um not sure if you know you need extra hands uh, for practices or coaching but um just wanted to extend that out there to say that i'm interested if you if you need someone and um actually heard back from uh Norman North and uh, Coach Piercy reached out, and uh, sure enough, they needed uh, just some extra hands. And um, you know, with education uh, budgets, uh, it wasn't really in the budget to hire another coach. So um, the fact that he was able to find someone that was willing to do it for free, he was all in, and I was all in because it was a chance to be around the sport I love and um, make the spring semester, you know, even better because I had a an opportunity to, you know be out there and get my mind away from being away from home and get it back on to a sport that I love. And so, yeah, uh, that was great. Uh, it was a great year of coaching. Um, the thing about it in the, the two years I did it there, um, really, yeah, both years was I did mid distance and track. So I was an 800, uh, half mile, uh, runner. And then I did the mile, um, and sometimes the two mile, but we quickly learned that's not for me. Um, but I did the 800 in the mile and loved them. And so I was a mid-distance runner. Um, but in coaching at Norman North, I was helping out with sprints and hurdles and jumps. And so it was everything I hadn't really experienced or known. And so I was spending time on YouTube and learning them and learning how to be the best at them, you know, looking at Olympians and looking... you know what are the tricks here and just trying to build my knowledge up so that I could you know um at least make the the athletes you know competitors at Norman North and you know being a part of sport sports in high school it's it can be you know just a social activity um for people which is totally cool um but as long as you're there and as long as I'm a part of it we're going to compete and we're going to do our best at it um but we're going to have fun at it and that's exactly what it was so um it was such a fun experience learning how to count off steps for sprints, sprint relays, and when to when to jump, uh, when to. I it was just I don't know. It was it was awesome because it it fully um, placed me in an environment that I loved, and it really did start to help that transition uh, to get me comfortable in Norman and get me comfortable away from home. Um, so really grateful for that, and you know the following season with coach walker um and i still talk with the coaches to this day over facebook we'll catch up or we'll text every now and then and um it's just awesome great just incredible people i mean seriously i incredible laughs and just incredible trust um you know if they were all busy they uh trusted me to lead a practice and i loved leading a practice and um you know some students are really uh challenging when new coach is leading a practice but um it's just part of it and it was a blast uh that was a, a 
really valuable experience in Norman coaching there. Had a blast. Um, yeah. So eventually, you know, I moved back here. Um, so I, I grew up in Lenexing, kind of suburb Kansas City near Overland Park where my high school was. I live in Lawrence right now uh, where KU is. Uh, it's probably about 30, 40 minutes away from that high school that I went to. Um, but uh, I uh, ran under Coach Onan while I was in high school um, all four years. And I mean, just uh, an incredible leader and role model and coach and motivator and um, a friend. I mean, seriously, just a, a genuine person. And I fell in love with the sport because I think I fell in love with that team and I fell in love with the coaches and just being around it. And um, I fell in love with the grind. It's running is a day in, day out. You know, it's you've like we would wake up and we'd go to school and right after school you put on your running gear and you go and you're going to knock out at least three to 10 miles of practice if not more on long distance days and so I mean it's a grind and it's not something uh, for people that aren't interested in a grind it's you've got to have the mental capacity for it Um, so I just had I had a blast with the grind Um, and I hit a point one summer where I just really wanted to get better. I was C team and JV my first two years. And then in between, I was like, you know, I just really want to try to strive to get better at this and see how far I could go. And um, ended up doing like 500 miles over the summer and then started doing these pool workouts. We would be up, um, I mean, a couple of buddies would get up at, you know, 5.15, 5.30. We'd head to the school. We'd get there at six and we'd do a pool workout. Um, there's a pool at the school and they allowed us to use it so we'd uh, be in the pool for you know 30 minutes to an hour every morning and then we'd go uh, wrap that up we would throw our clothes on smell like chlorine all day didn't care um, go to school and then as soon as we're out of school we're at practice and we're pounding the pavement for you know three to ten miles it's day in and day out and um, I loved it I loved every minute of it and um, yeah, so when I came back, I uh, it had always been a dream to coach again, um, especially at my high school. I think it'd be a lot of fun because Coach Onan is still the head coach there um, for cross country. And so, um, yeah, I, I just always wanted to do that. And I actually looked at the school district website um, just because that's always been a job that I've been interested in is coaching cross country at my high school. And so I just always kept a side eye on it. You know, it was never really posted. He always had a assistant coaches and sure enough uh last year I, I see the posting and I was like man it's actually available I'm like that's that's it that's the position I always look at and um I was like you know I just I I'm a graduation advisor here at KU and I, I love it it's an awesome job uh but it's eight to five and so it's a full-time gig and I uh you know high school is wrapped up around 3 p.m every day and that's when practices so um I was kind of like, dang, there's that job, there's that opportunity, but it's a side job. And, you know, I've got to keep my full time. And I mean, there are benefits and stuff, you know, you can't just leave your full time job. Um, and I, I love it, obviously. So I don't want to leave it. I, I really enjoy it. But I was like, I just don't know how I could make them both work. Um, so I just kind of left the idea um, probably for a month or two. I was like, all right, he'll, he'll find someone, he'll hire them. 
man, that'd be a lot of fun to do. And sure enough, one of our friends, uh, shout out to Laura Milliken, she kind of started this whole thing. But for her birthday, she wanted to go to this uh, theater, which is called Theater in the Park. And you go and you watch um, a theater, you know, put on by, um, you know, some high school kids, some a little older and it, it great performances. But we go and we're like, we're, we're going to go for a birthday celebration. So we go and uh, sure enough, while we're there, I see Coach Anand and his family and they're there to watch this play. And I was like, man, I've got to go say hi. And uh, my wife, Jessica, was sitting with me and she was like, you have to, you need to go to say hi. You need to talk about that job. And I was like, there's just no, there's no way, there's no way that would work. So I was like, I just can't, I can't make it work with my, my schedule. But I'll go say hi. I'll go say hi. And so I go and I go ahead, <laughs> I get up, go say hi. And uh, I told Coach John, and I was like, you know, I, I got to be honest. I saw that you were hiring for an assistant coach. So I was like, I saw it a couple months ago. So I'm sure that you found someone. And he was like, I'm still looking. I haven't been able to find anyone. And, it's like, you know, we'll, we'll see. And, um, uh, he was just, yeah, I was like, man, I was like, I'm going to, I don't know. I was like, I don't know what came over me, but I was like, I would, that would be really cool to do that job. And he was like, I would be honored if you could. And I, you know, I'm like melting because this is the scenario I've like played out in my head was being able to coach for my high school team. And, um, I was like, you know, I was like, let me see what I can find out. And then I'll be in touch with you next week and we'll see what we can do. And essentially it boiled down to, I've got to try to figure out how to make it work. Cause I can't just, you know, I can't just do it and not do my current job or not figure something out. And so basically I've learned uh, in my life and I'll work the best way to work through things is transparency and communicating. Um, it's been really successful in my relationship with my wife. Uh, we were long distance for such a long time and we're married. And I mean, relationships just, they don't move if you're not communicating or transparent. And I'm sorry, it's lagging out, but we're working through it. <laughs> um, but I essentially went to my boss and laid it all out and was just completely transparent. And I was like, this is a, a really tall ask, but here's the ask, here's the demands of it, here's what it would require from me, and here's what I would be asking from not only you, but my coworkers, and here are the potential challenges, and you break it down, you weigh pros and cons, and I'm grateful to have such an incredible boss that would acknowledge that this is something I'm really passionate about, and clearly want to pursue, and she allowed me to do it, and I was able to coach this last fall for that team and uh I yeah, a speechless. It was a it was literally a dream job. I know it's not I know people say like the craziest jobs that they can think of um is their dream job, but being able to coach the team that I was once a part of with my head coach at the time, like it was incredible and I I, I loved it. Every minute of it. The early mornings getting up at four thirty to to go to a cross country meet on a Saturday morning, like there's nothing better. So I, yeah, it's so cool. And getting out and being back on that grind. I mean, I love it, man. I love getting out there and running every day. Just, it, it feels good. It feels right. And it's, it's a great, great sport. And I love it. It's, it was an awesome opportunity. Those, 
all of them are uh, all the runners. They're incredible students, incredible um, kids that, you know, they've they've got bright futures ahead of them. Um, I know that, you know, each of them, they um, they really care about the sport. I know that, you know, sometimes it's not the number one priority and that's OK. Um, but, you know, as long as we're on the team and we're a part of it, we're going to go out there and we're going to compete to the highest potential that we can. And that's exactly what they did. So they went to our regional meet this year, which is the meet to qualify for state. And we were, you know, pretty heavy underdog as a team on our guy's side. Um, and they went out and, man, they, they gave it probably one of the greatest team efforts that I've seen. Um, like it, it didn't turn out the result that you want and it didn't qualify them for state. But to their potential and to their like their work together as a team, it was it was so fun to watch. Like I was just watching the race just draw drop. I was like, here you guys are. Cause it it takes time to kind of get a team to gel and to get them to really, you know, work together. It's an individual sport. You know, you have your time, individual time and your individual best that you're trying to beat, but there's still a team score to it. And you still score points for your team and you're still trying to compete against other teams. And they went out and did that. And it was awesome. And, you know, our, our girls side is a bit smaller, um, but they, they are such a close knit group that um, both, both of those teams are just, it's so much fun. It was an honor to coach them both. And I'm so excited to see where they can go this next season. Um, I know that they're looking forward to it and, I'm pumped for it, of course, as well. But uh, yeah, it's it's awesome, man. It's been such a cool experience. I I love it. Well, that's a cool moment. I tell you again, not many people can say the opportunity that you have to, you know, you're you're at your former athlete, your athlete, former athlete now, and you get to work with the same coach. I mean, the coach that you had, like it's it's, I mean, it, it's a testament right there how cool that uh, just how cool um just a cool story I, I don't know what else to say it's just it's yeah. just a really cool story because yeah. i can tell your passion you're following your passions right because again leading to making an impact um so jake thanks for sharing that because yeah. that's 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 really cool i mean again life is full circle it's what it is yeah um hey before we wrap up i want to hear because this is something that we for every episode, I want you to be a travel agent here. I want to hear okay. about Lenexa. I want to hear about Lawrence. Tell okay. me a little bit about, you know, what are some main attractions, places to eat, help paint a picture for us of your hometown. Yeah. Well, yeah. So the hometown is Lenexa, Kansas. Uh, one of the many suburbs of Kansas City, uh, whether you want that to be Missouri or Kansas. Let's just get it out in the clear right now. There is a Kansas City, Kansas. It's on the Kansas side, in Kansas. And there is a Kansas City, Missouri. It's in Missouri, on the Missouri side. A lot of so people already confused now. There are two. There are two Kansas cities. <laughs> so it's really a suburb. I don't know. I don't know what you want to say. It's on, but I'll just say Kansas City, Missouri. But it's, it's in there. It's in that big thing but yeah the royals the chiefs kansas city missouri it's in missouri 
supporting Kansas City, Kansas City, Kansas. But anyway, just to clear it up, um, I know it can be confusing. I totally understand it. It's it's weird, but just a heads up. Um, anyway, travel agent. Uh, yo, it's awesome. I love it. Um, obviously, going to OU, I was homesick, so I clearly loved it here. Um, growing up here. Um, so Lenexa is awesome. Um, close to Kansas City, and there's so much to do in Kansas City. Of course, people are going to say the barbecue is up there and is the best barbecue there is. Uh, I'd it say is it's, good. Pretty, it's pretty darn good. It um, is good. I'll give you that. It is good. I know that there's debate left and right about Memphis, Carolina, Texas, you know, and they're great barbecues. I don't doubt it at all. Um, and, of course, I'm going to be biased, but the, the thing I love, and if it just depends on what you like, right? So I would just say there are different sauces at every single barbecue place in Kansas City. And if you like sauce, you're going to love the barbecue here because you can try different sauces. I love sauce, so I'm all about it. So I'm a big fan. Um, I would say my favorite is Jack Stack. So if it ever comes, I would say Jack Stack's the way to go. I love their barbecue. I love their sauce. It's the move. But you can't. you really can't go wrong. So Q39 is great. Joe's Kansas City that used to be Oklahoma Joe's and they rebranded um, but highly recommend I mean you you can't go wrong I'm gonna be honest they're all they're all good um, but it's just it's in the sauce so if you're a traditional Texan you probably hate hearing that and you'll say good barbecue doesn't need sauce eat it however you want <laughs> but I enjoy sauce so I'm having sauce <laughs> so just another addition. Who's complaining about that? But um, yeah, so obviously that's a staple. Um, but there's so much. I mean, obviously we have our sports teams, and it seems like when one's good, the other isn't. When the other's good, the other decides to be bad, or they're just both bad. Um, but we're loyal. I'll, I'll tell you that. Uh, we are very loyal, um, especially to the Chiefs. I wish people were a little more loyal to the Royals, but I. I get it. It's been a rough stretch, but hey, but um, you do have that World Series. You have that uh, World Series from uh, what six, seven years ago now. Fifteen, but. yeah, twenty fifteen. Uh, it was great. It was awesome. Um, yeah, but there's so much. So aside from the sports teams, uh, there is. I remember when I hosted the OU Instagram, I had shared uh, a little bit about the World War One Museum downtown. Um, really powerful uh, museum. That's just um, something that you you need to experience and. Um, it is the only there's there's a fact about it it's like the only world war one museum in like the the western hemisphere i don't know it's something crazy like that that you would be like there's no way like there's got to be a world war one museum somewhere but it really is like it's the only one in a large radius i don't know don't quote me on that but there is a large radius and it is the only one is what i'm saying so (laughs) i i highly recommend um just it's beautiful, um, powerful experience. Um, not too far from it is literally right down this like hill is the is the Union Union Station. Um, that's where we actually had our prom when I was in high school. Um, so that was just amazing. It's stunning, and uh, that was a lot of fun. Um, ironically, quick side fun story. Uh, for prom, I was actually in the same prom group as my wife. But we had different dates. So is wow. your fun fact there. Um, yeah. Wow. Hilarious. 
how, how that works out. But um, yeah, so I highly recommend, you know, Union Station's great. The World War One Museum is awesome. Not too far is Crown Center, which is this um, shopping center. And, you know, over uh, the winter, there's an ice skating rink out there and gigantic Christmas tree, you know, and um, it's really cool spot with a lot of fun places. There's um, a restaurant called Fritz's. I don't know if that's elsewhere. I don't know if this is like a chain across the country. Not sure. I apologize if it is, but it's this really cool place that, um, I mean, especially as a kid, but I love it now to this day. But you place your order over a phone. There's a phone at the booth and you call it in. And then above you, there are these trains that ride along the ceiling and it will just ride over you and then it will dump off your food onto this tray and it's ready and then it just you know like lowers it down to your table but the whole time there are just these trains circling around with the food it's wow so, such yeah, a cool that sounds pretty cool so now next time i go up to kansas i'm now going to fritz's fritz's right okay yes it's that the sounds move, pretty man. cool it's fun there are a couple of them um but yeah the one in crown center you know this og um yeah so crown center is awesome uh there a ton of attractions. North Kansas City is being built up across the river. It's got um, a chicken and pickle and a few other things going up over there. So I know it's becoming a little more lively. And um, there are uh, uh, the West Bottoms, which is a bunch of antique shops, but like these antique warehouses. So they're, you know, three, four stories of antique shops and furniture shops. It's, I was actually there today. It was really cool. Um, just a fun place. And then You've got your farmer's market over there. And um, there is, of course, you know, there's Bartle Hall, and, um, you know, which hosts theaters and shows. Like the other month, uh, my wife and I went to see Wicked, her favorite show. And so um, it's my first time seeing it, but I mean, just so much fun. And um, there's just always stuff to do. We love driving in. Um, so we live in Lawrence um, and we go into Kansas City all the time. Uh, we have family there, of course. Um, her Jessica's dad lives in Bonner Springs. Um, her mom uh, lives in Fairway, which is kind of another suburb. And then my mom uh, is in Olathe, um, which is a, another uh, suburb. But we, we go into Kansas City a lot. And uh, it's a really easy trip, about 30 or so minutes. So we go in all the time, um, just hang out with them or just to adventure ourselves and stuff. Um, in Lawrence, however, uh, obviously where we live, um, You've got the university, of course. You've got KU, um, and there's everything cool with KU. Uh, you know, you've got the Campanile. You've got um, Allen Field House, and just um, all the cool venues here. Um, the booth, the football stadium, which is going to be renovated soon, uh, which will be really cool. But um, I, I just want to prep people. If you've never been to Kansas or Lawrence. I know that we all believe Kansas is flat. There is a part of Kansas that is not flat. It exists, <laughs> and it's called Lawrence, Kansas. <laughs> and That's the place I love, to go right there. It is. I love longboarding, man, but you can't really do it at KU because you're going to be flying down a hill before you know it. Um, there's literally part of the graduation ceremony is the walk down the hill. Like, it's literally called that. So it's like I, I – I don't know how else to explain that Kansas isn't flat completely, <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's great. We, we highly recommend Lawrence. Uh, my wife and I got a home last year here. Um, so we've, we've set our roots here, which we're really grateful for and love it. And 
I mean, there's there's nothing I want more than to you know start a, a family and life with my wife here um, in Kansas and, and Lawrence, especially. It's been awesome. We got plugged into a new church here, um, Story Hill Church. It was planted, you know, four years ago or so. Um, and just an awesome community there. Some great friends that we'll be having over tomorrow for the Super Bowl. Uh, I, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. But Lawrence has so much, man. You've got Mass Street, which is full of shops. It's like your campus corner in Norman. It's got your shops, your restaurants, um, another huge antique mall. I don't know what it is about Kansas and antiques, but they're everywhere. Um, super cool. Uh, definitely, we go there all the time. I get lost in there. Uh, that's really fun. There's Muncher's Bakery, uh, which has 24-hour bakery. that has got donuts. I mean, name it. Uh, that's the place to go. Uh, absolutely love it. Um, West Lawrence, which is where we were in our apartment before we got our house. Um, is really cool area too that's been up and coming. Uh, my wife works for the hospital here, LMH, and they just built recently a, a huge West Campus out there that's incredible. Um, it's massive, but also out there are um, some KU athletic facilities. They've got their tennis, um, so some tennis facilities out there, I think. And then uh, track and field is out there, uh, the pavilion, and it's a really cool area. So um, yeah, Lawrence is a ton, man. Um, ceramic shops do your thing there you know if you want to make something or um you know there are a ton of you know just small businesses that you know are only here um it's a small town and it it's a it feels like a big town especially when the campus is alive but it's a it's a small big town uh so yeah, <laughs> yeah we we love lawrence we're not far from the capital you know Topeka's like 20 30 minutes um but it's it's great, man. We we love Lawrence and definitely recommend it if anybody's looking in Kansas. Um, Kansas City's great too. Uh, yeah. Once you get west of Lawrence, I will say good luck. Uh, I haven't lived out there, but I will back off. And that is flat. It's not. <laughs> I'm sorry if you're from Hayes or somewhere else, but I I respect it, and you know, uh, it, yeah. It's There's not much out there. <laughs> it's Kansas. It's the Kansas you know and love. It's it's Dorothy's uh it's Dorothy's land. That's where she it's her stopping grounds is out yeah. there. Yeah. We actually went to go pick up. We recently got a golden doodle who whose name is Boomer. Let's go. Um, there you go. But we went and got him in Frankfurt, Kansas. And on our way out there, it's up near the Nebraska border, Kansas, Nebraska border. Um on our way up there, we drove through a town, and I'm so sorry I can't remember the name of it, but it's known as Dorothy's hometown. It's where really? she's from. I never knew that. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's I didn't know she had a hometown, right but yeah, yeah, we were driving through, and it was like that's where, it's like Winnebago or something. I don't know. I'm sorry, okay. I just butchered that, but it's something like oh, that. Hey. But it's where Dorothy's from. Never knew. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, you know the time I, I've been in Kansas a couple of times, and um, only once to actually go to our friend Brian's wedding out in Colorado that I could drive through the West part of Kansas. But, um, you know, the time's coming to visit you and help you move up there a couple of years ago too. Uh, you know, it's, 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 uh, you know, you, you get, you see a lot of land. Yeah. But once you get closer into the cities and, uh, you know, Lenexa or Lawrence or Kansas city, um, yeah, it's nothing like the, the West side of the state. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. It's not, man. I mean, 
it's always tough, you know, telling people I'm from Kansas because you picture that big rectangle, Kansas. And it's like, I just have to pinpoint that I'm up in that top right corner. And I mean, it's practically Missouri. I'm just right there. Yeah. But it's it's not the Kansas you think of. It's, it's, it's just not it. <laughs> it's, it's completely different. Well, hey, Jake, so I want to ask you for this last question. Yeah. If um, if you, and this is something that I'm trying to do at the end of every episode, if you can describe your hometown in one word, what it means to you, what would that be? Uh, I'll do Lawrence since, since that's you know the current yeah. hometown. Um, uh-huh. Just to be clear, um, yeah, for Lawrence, honestly, there are a lot of words to describe it, um, but I think what. Man, I don't want to be stereotypical because the first word that comes to mind, of course, is home. But that just doesn't feel right um, saying that because it's so obvious. Um, but I think that the the word that I would go to not be so obvious is community. Um, it's it's so uh, connected. Like it's I moved here in 2020. So it's a busy year if we recall there were a few things happening in 2020 um i moved here in the middle of it all and i knew my wife who was still living in kansas city so i kind of moved here into our apartment before she had joined it so i was by myself and i was working at my job i knew my coworkers. that was it and it was new it was intimidating it was a little you know it's like i knew i was going to be with my wife but just don't know anyone and now I feel like we're early 2022, not even two years into it. And just so many connections and relationships that I feel like I know, I mean, people from all over Lawrence, like it's amazing. And I feel like I have a community and just knowing everyone, it's like, everyone knows everyone. It's weird. I'm like, this is a big town. Like, how do we all know this? But it's, it really is connected and it's a true tight knit community that, um, the people that live in Lawrence really care about Lawrence and they really care about where it's going and where it's heading. And that's made it such a great home and it makes us really happy to be here in Lawrence. And we, we love living here. We love our community at church. We love our community um, at the university, at the hospital. Um, it's just, it's meant so much in our you know neighborhood and our friends um they live across Lawrence I mean it, it just means so much and it it's really cool to see how quickly it became more than just a home it, it really did become a community of friends and yeah. people that I don't want to leave or I don't not want to be around you know it's it's incredible how quickly that became a thing and it's just a it's a huge blessing well Jake that's great to hear you know every place you've been going back from high school to your time in college to what you're doing now in Kansas. You're leaving your mark. You're impacting your community. So that's great to hear. Hey, I want to tell you too, thank you uh, for this great episode today, this episode two. I want to also, uh, you know, Jessica just had a birthday. So I wish her happy birthday. And you've got a birthday coming up here within the next week as well. So happy early birthday to you, bro. Um, this was awesome. Thank you for sharing your story. Shouting out Kansas again. If anybody is going to Kansas, remember the East Side. <laughs> yes, East Side. <laughs> oh, I'm kidding. If you live in the West Side, it's okay. It's we love you. Good. You're Kansas, but uh, you're Kansas. <laughs> so, Kansas. But we love you. <laughs> you still count, but 
great. I love it. I appreciate well, you hey, having me on. Yeah, thanks, Jake. I appreciate it, man. And thanks, everyone, for tuning in to Episode 2 of 50 States, 50 Stories. We'll catch you next time. Go out and make a difference. Take care.